In this episode, we're going to destroy all realities and put them back together again. It's the end of Voltron. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and giant robot fights. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today, like Chris said, we're talking about the final episode of Voltron colon Legendary Defender, the DreamWorks TV show on Netflix, if you're in the US and some other place, some other place, I think. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Um, obviously, not just because we're talking about an episode of things and we always have to say spoilers, blah, blah, eventually we'll get into that. But it's also spoilers for the entire series of Voltron. Right. So if you've any intention to watch any Voltron, maybe save this episode of our podcast for later. Right. Or if you're just, you don't care and you recognize that it's not about the answers, it's about the journey, you could still possibly listen to it and get a lot out of watching this series. Um, for me, so much happens that I don't think I remember half of it. So you might spoil some things for me for watching it the <laughs> second time. <laughs> it was a, a complicated show and I had to look it up like it's. I knew that it was on its eighth season. I'm sorry, eighth Netflix season. Right. You have to be careful. We have to specify because Netflix seasons are their own universe. And have yes. their own reality. Because <laughs> you're thinking, oh, eight seasons. Has it been on that long? No, it hasn't. How long have I aged? <laughs> How old am I now? The first season came out in June 2016. So two and a half years ago. And they didn't even do any more seasons for a while, like until like January, February 2017. So the bulk of the shows aired in the last two years. Okay, I thought I was losing my mind. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not losing my mind. I knew it was every few months. Um, but man, that was a, it's a tough pace. 78 episodes. In two and a half years. Yeah. I, th I think the, that's on the next level of the original run of DuckTales, I feel. I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's this 1991 Disney Channel. <laughs> Gargoyle season two, 52 episodes. Oh my gosh. It's just too much. Yeah. And somehow not enough. Hmm. How do you spoilers for our thoughts on this episode? How do you manage that? <laughs> <laughs> um Chris, tell me, have you generally kept up the Voltron as it's been airing? Because I think you like the show. Yes. Uh I am a Voltron aficionado. Um I, I loved the original series when it aired in the 80s. And I was a child. Um, I just wanted to specify I was a child back then. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I had a Keith helmet. So I had a red helmet and a key thing that I wore. Um, not to school, but like, you know, to play at home. I wasn't that much. I had all the lions. I had the castle of lions. Um, I do remember a traumatic experience where my Keith action figure. I took it into the bath with me and the body 
separated the front from the back and his limbs floated apart into four different directions much like voltron (laughs) so yes i love this is so specific you still remember this exact image oh gosh it was rough man i was my keith (laughs) hashtag the fandom said that (laughs) right so i don't know there's a lot um I, I carried a lot of love for the show. Um, I even watched a few episodes when it was computer generated in the early aughts. So the early 2000s. The dark times. The dark times of computer animation and of Ultron. And it was it's like, is that supposed to be Zarkon? <laughs> um, and uh, when this aired, I was really excited about it. Um, I was really angry at it at first because I, I was expecting a little bit more reinvention. I was like, well, hey, come on, guys. It's 2016 and there are no female pilots, you know, here in Voltron. Not realizing that, you know, spoilers, Pidge is a female character. Yeah. So good, good job there for. And then I think I apologized on Twitter to them for shouting at them you did it was recently enough that i remember it <laughs> it's like i'm really sorry guys but um i have been keeping up as i did binge the last i would say three or four episodes of season six all the way through to no season seven i got confused last few episodes of season seven and then all of season eight um, when I was sick in bed. So 10 hours of Voltron at once. (laughs) That works out. That's a good way to experience it. Uh, Yeah, when you can't go anywhere because you have 104 fever, why not watch um, giant robots fighting? I am glad the seasons are pretty close together because I think the, the fallout of the binge model that I'm realizing now is when you binge everything in a day, it's harder to remember character names and what they're doing months mm. later. Whereas when you have like a season, you have time to think about the character between episodes and where they're going. Right. The, so I remember lost really well, but like Kimmy Schmidt, like not enough, even though I love Kimmy Schmidt. Right. And I, th- I think so much happens in each season and in sometimes in single episodes that you're just like, okay, next one. And you don't give yourself that brain time to just sit and think about what's really going on and reflect. And I think some of my feelings about the finale, the first time I watched it were based on that binge, 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 binge. What? (laughs) Wait, what are we doing now? What is happening? What do you mean? There's no more Netflix. (laughs) Wait, that was the end. That's what that's where we ended up. Um, so but going back and I did rewatch the first episode, which I think we'll discuss about. Um, but. Yeah, I, I've been trying to keep up and I was doing a really good job about only watching a few episodes here or there. And I think the longest binge time was just recently when I got sick and you know, <laughs> up in bed with my iPad, just watching. Just, okay, next one, next one. Only pausing to drink juice. Until Netflix, you're still watching. 
<laughs> no, I don't think it even questioned it. It's like, yeah, you're probably still here. <laughs> you're at a mobile device and you haven't shaken the gyroscope much lately, so you're watching. <laughs> hmm. so, okay, so tell me about that, because I haven't rewatched the first episode in a while, and I know a lot happens in it. So you being fresh from the first episode, what expectations did you have for the full series and ultimately the end of the show from episode one? That's a really good question. Um, in, in watching season eight, um, a lot happens where they return to Earth and we get back with the army or whatever the... I can't even remember the name of the group that that's here on Earth that that the original pilots were cadets on. And they were saying things like, remember when we were flying on the blue line? And I'm like, I, I don't like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, then they said, you know, this and that. And I couldn't remember exactly what happened. And they were making reference to Pitch's father being gone. And I was like, well, when, when the heck? Yeah, what was the whole story there? So I, I went back to the original episode just because I felt so disconnected. And I think if you watch the first episode and all of season eight, you can get a pretty good handle on what's going on. You may miss some things like, well, who are these random characters and who's, what's going on over here? But I think in terms of story arc, if you watch the first episode, which is 40 minutes, so it's basically two episodes, the length of, actually, no, I think it's about 60 minutes. So it's, it's a really, it's a huge um, episode, but it, it puts all the characters in play and all the major plot points. Um, so we just get the, it's all about finding Voltron and needing this hero, this machine, this um, this technology, as Pidge calls it, to save them from Zarkon. Like that's that's what it is. Zarkon is out there, and we need saving from Zarkon. And the only way to do it is with this machine, Voltron, which no one knows what it is. They just know that there's something in the air, and it's mystical, and they're trying to find find it and they are led to the blue lion which is hidden um on earth um the very first thing that we get is being on the one of the moons on pluto with shiro and we find out later are, are pitch's father and brother as they're digging for ice to take it home to figure out what's going on in in the water they're just they're just an exploratory mission and then they get captured by um, a ship and a Gara ship. And then we end up meeting the other four pilots. We meet uh, Lance first, Lance, Hunk, and Pidge first, doing a simulation of helping the people lost on the moon of Pluto and trying to recover them. And Lance is a hothead pilot. Um, and crashes. They lose a wing and they crash in the simulation. So we start to understand this dynamic of, okay, 
we see where they're starting and we're expecting these characters to grow. And we're seeing why this machine, this Voltron machine is um, necessary. Mm -hmm. And then what's interesting is season eight, and maybe it's just because I watched it all at once almost, <laughs> but it feels like one giant series finale episode because mm -hmm. it's one continuous story from start to end. Not that the other ones weren't, but they had more one-off adventures going here and going there. But this was, this is a particular story with one villain this whole time, and we're going to take care of it. And we're going to start here and we're going to end here. Yeah. I felt like if they had to condense that down to another 60 minute episode, there were one or two one-off episodes in season eight. You could cut and some weird fetch quests that they do to kind of, I mean, not really fill time, but they're exciting in a season, but they wouldn't fit in a 60 minute movie. Right. And I think there's a lot of that. They, the whole season executes much like you would expect a series finale to, which is you revisit, um, unanswered questions. You revisit characters and tie things up and you just spend a lot of time reviewing past things that have happened and see how far things have grown or re-meet other characters and re-establish certain relationships. And then you put them into a final moment and a final battle. And yeah, I mean, not like Seinfeld had a final battle, but in some ways it did. <laughs> it kind of did. It kind of did. But you just try to see the, the growth that's happened. And I think um, the whole season, if you take the whole season as the series finale episode, I feel better about it. But we're, I know we're mostly concentrated on the final episode. Um, I don't know. I think um, the question that you originally asked was about expectations, but you expect for Voltron to save the universe. Mm -hmm. That and then these characters will grow and turn into something and actually save Earth and the larger the universe at large from Emperor Zarkon. That's what you get from the beginning of the show. That's a good base. Um, mm -hmm. And then from rewatching the first episode, who would you say the main character or characters are? It leans very heavily on Shiro being central. I wouldn't say necessarily main, but in terms of things happening to him, <laughs> you get Shiro. He's one of the first characters that you meet on the moon. He's kidnapped, and he has some of the great mysteries about him. How did he return to Earth? How did he escape? What's going on with him? Why does he have a robot arm now? Um, what was his relationship with Keith? Because Keith is the one who breaks in and saves him. Um, so you see there's a relationship between he and Keith that you're not quite sure about what what their past was together, but you can see there was um, there's closeness. And then you have these three other extra guys, um, you know, which you perceive as three other extra guys. You have yeah. Hunk and Lance 
And you start to see Lance as this secondary character to Keith. Um, Lance tries to be the main character, but you start to see that the series feels more interested in Shiro and Keith than Lance, than Pidge, than Hunk last. Yeah, poor Hunk. I know. I like Hunk the most. I know. Hunk was one of the better reinventions of the whole series. Um, he, he was a, I wouldn't call him dumb, but in the original series, he was just more of like a tough guy, brute, you know, beat up mm. things like rah, 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 shouting guy. The 80s, big, dumb teddy bear stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he did have a headband and <laughs> they kept the good things. Right. And then you meet, um, Allura and she's in, uh, what 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 is it called a uh, cryogenic tank or a, a hawking chamber is what she's in. <laughs> she's in a hawking chamber. Good reference. Thank you. <laughs> so um, she wakes up, and then you start to see her as another character. But that's kind of secondary to Earth. The Earth people feel like they are the main story, and that it's going to be about them. And Allura is going to be important but she's not going to be a main character. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen the first episode, but I remember like leaving it feeling like the Shiro stuff was like a prologue if it were a book. And then that Lance was the main character to me leaving the first episode. It, it tries to go that way, but the, the way that they put the weight that they put on Shiro feels like they're trying to make him and Keith the main characters, I feel like it drifts away from that because in some ways they're not as interesting as the humanity of Lance. They feel a little much, a little too um, stereotypical hero-y. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I wanted, like there's this big mystery that of Lance is only where he is because the other pilot who's better than him dropped out, which is Keith. Mm -hmm. So you, it starts to set up as Lance as an underdog who has to prove himself, which I think is a little bit more interesting than someone, than whatever's going on. There's too many mysteries over here that don't really get paid out until like season six or seven. Mm -hmm. between <clears throat> Shiro and Keith and what's going on there. I think the show rightfully like turns into an ensemble piece by the end of season one, as it needs to be. Yes. Um, but it's interesting to me that season eight comes back and leans so heavily on Lance again. Right. It, and it does. It's it season eight does feel like it's Lance's story. He has the most happen to him. And in the end, I think he's the one who loses the most. Yeah, but he goes from scrappy underdog wanting to be part of this like fighter pilot core to like just doing what he loves and hanging out with his friends and embracing peace and just cherishing what they have. <laughs> right. Surrounding himself with what he loves. Yeah. He, I think, fundamentally changes the most as a character, whereas like Hunk gets good at the thing he's good at, and Pidge gets good at the thing she's good at, and Keith gets good at the thing that he doesn't want to do but is good at, which is to lead people. And 
Shiro was a clone for three seasons, and that clone is dead, but not really, because the Shiro memories are back in the clone. I don't know what happened to Shiro. Yeah, I really don't understand Shiro's story. I need to rewatch also to understand quite what happened there, which is not necessarily a complaint. I'm okay with mystery and weirdness and funky things happening in a show. Especially a show that isn't quite sure about how magical things are allowed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> technology that can bend because of magic um, and grow new parts when necessary for the story. It's just. And it felt like while things aren't necessarily scientifically sound, like in the world of the show, generally before season eight, I feel like a lot of things kind of fit in that world and they tried to explain it. Right. Yes. Like, I don't question that the lions have their own sort of consciousness and that they have their own personalities. Like, be careful of the red lion. The red lion's really temperamental. You're going to have to get the lion to respect you, which is something that happens in the first episode. They tell Keith, you know, it's temperamental. And he's like, okay, I'm your paladin. Let me in. Red lion's like, "Uh uh-uh, you know. It's much like a... What is that? As um, Buckbeak in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. You have to bow first to Buckbeak, otherwise Buckbeak will hurt you. Oh my god. Can we reboot Voltron again, but instead of five lions, have five hippogriffs? <laughs> <laughs> Just assemble into one <laughs> legendary griffinator. I think there is something there. Thank you. I think we could futuristic Harry Potter that takes place in space. I think I would love to see like Star Trek meets Harry Potter. Wizards in space. Isn't that what it, this is though? In some ways. Kind of. That's all Taya. Yeah, there isn't enough like science fiction speculation about what happens in these fantasy worlds when they inevitably reach the space age. <laughs> Yes, what happens when magic meets technology? I mean, we get close in things like Doctor Strange, you know, where, you know, it's now, but there's magic and other things. And yeah, but it's not it's not as close as what Voltron does. Yeah, Voltron does a lot of good magic sciencey blah. Anywho, there's actually one other question I wanted to ask about the first episode. Yes. Relevant to the last episode. Yes. Do you feel both in terms of first episode compared to last episode and the entire series, that Hanerva earns the spot of final antagonist. She is nowhere in the first episode. But even if she's not physically in it, do you feel like thematically she earns her final spot? I think thematically, in a lot of ways, yes. Um. There, there is an argument that Zarkon is the worst. You know, Zarkon is the emperor, and he is the worst character because he's the one that's calling things down. And then later on in season, you find out that uh, his wife um, was Altaian and got corrupted by the quintessence and became the witch. 
and you get to see that she was corrupted much like he was. But she is wielding power in a much different way for her own preservation. And then their son, Lotor, just is left aside and is traumatized from being alone and being unloved by his parents, um, especially not being recognized as the son by his own mother. And then I think she carries the most pain yeah, and the most personal, what is that, damage <laughs> from Zarkon and Lotor, and I think she has the most to lose. So if you're going, if you're looking at character stakes in terms of what a character wants and what is most getting in the way of that, she has the most interesting personal story and reason for needing to get past Voltron in some ways. I see your point. I do. I have been thinking a lot, especially in the second watch of the final episode, like, why how nervous the final villain? Like, she had to be a big villain at some point, but it felt like, to me, she wasn't the right final villain. Hmm. So, I, I don't know. I like what motivates her and her stakes, and I think all that is good. Because uh, you have Zarkon, who wants to control the entire universe for its to, I don't know, for his betterment, but not the universe's. And you have Lotor, who wants to help the entire universe in his twisted way. And then there's Hanerva, who just wants, like, her own personal emotional story to be fulfilled. Right. Which, basically, it's, it's funny to be talking about this final episode of Voltron immediately after our episode about Into the Spider-Verse, um, which I was watching it and said, wait a minute. Spider-Man? Is this is this Spider-Man? <laughs> There's Spider-Versing. There's Spider-Versing. <laughs> now I know they probably had to work before Spider-Verse, of course, but yeah. There's this idea of a character who goes to a different reality to recover the loved ones that were once lost. Um <laughs> and not caring what other damage happens to anybody else or any universe else to make that happen it's like oh i see she's going she's like reaching mm -hmm. this is this is big and uh so it, it called every single reality in existence to be in danger which <laughs> i i have lots of thoughts about I don't know for how many answers I have, but I have lots of thoughts about it. Yeah, I want to save that for now. <laughs> yes, I do too. That's why I'm not saying more. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I what I almost wanted to see, and this is talking about expectation, as a fan who has expectations, I almost wanted everything with Hanerva to like play out, and then she brings back a Lotor. Because it felt like the mm. whole Lotor thing kind of peters out, and then before the final episode, she like merges with the corrupted Lotor bot thing, but then that nothing ever happens with that. Kind of weird, right? 
Yeah. Um, so I, I almost want Lotor to be the final, final villain. And which I, I thought they were building to that. When they brought Lotor back, I thought, oh, this is it. This is, this is the guy. This is who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then they dispatched it really, really quick. It's gone. It's gone. It's done. And I, I wasn't quite sure why. I can't even remember how. And I don't know if that's because of how quickly I was watching. But it was I, like just, a I just don't remember how. Piercing, quintessence field, gathering old ships, something, something, bringing back Lotor, who's kind of conscious. But then we never hear from again. And then she's trying to go to a different reality to save a different Lotor, and the Lotor she merged with doesn't seem to care that... I don't know. Yeah. I had dramaturgical issues there. Um, mm. So, I liked everything, and almost felt like I wanted, like, five more episodes after that, something different happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. I feel like some things were tied up too quickly because they wanted to tell a different story and leave time for robot fights. Would you have to have a big robot fight? I understand that. (laughs) When you have five lions that turn into a giant robot, you're going to have a robot fight. It did make me... I, I felt a little cheated that the five lions weren't fighting the battle. Mm. That it was this random ship that we met in season seven, the Atlas, that's turned into a giant machine. I thought the giant you know, Atlas machine merged with the lions. It did, but it didn't feel like Voltron winning. Mm. It felt like they gave it powerful wings, and that's about as much as Voltron contributed. No matter how many times they showed all six people, I think they just wanted a way to get Shiro and the five other characters to be important and fighting together. I was pretty fine with the magical power-up. I just wonder where the other, like, 4,000 people on that ship went. Right. I mean, even Koran, he wasn't around. Like, you never I saw know. him. Like, There's not enough Koran. I know. That w- that's what I was disappointed, I think, most about. But, but I feel... I mean, he does come back at the very end of the episode, final episode, but I'm, I, I feel like... So the first episode ends with Voltron just completely taking out this ship. And I know that we've seen throughout this series different times where Voltron was um, taken all the way down and being unable to function or losing its power, you know. Um, the Robeasts coming back and stealing the Quintessence out and they're just beaten by this. But something in me wanted the image of Voltron Voltron to be the thing that wins. And I understand thematically this idea of it's not just Voltron, it's Voltron and the ingenuity of the people of Earth 
who can help carry on Voltron. It's not just this one thing. People have to rise up on their own and make their own decisions and not just let this robot win. It has to be a whole people coming together in some ways. I understand that thematically, but for me, Chris Leva, I feel like seeing Voltron with the lion arms and feet fighting in the final episode about Voltron would have been a little bit more meaningful. Mm. Okay. There's, I, I just feel like there's something that's missing about that image of those five characters together. And I know that when Voltron um, merged with the Atlas is chasing um, Nerva into the, I guess, the other realities and, and going into ending up in the final level, which is the existence of everything, you know, um, yeah. the conscious shared consciousness of everything. Yeah. And then they go into the main center where and they're not in their lands anymore and they talk, they talk it out. I feel like that thematically was right. Yes, it's about them and what they've all learned and it's their differences that make them who they are. And, but it's them coming together as one. But I think you miss that when, it's, when you just see the Atlas. Yeah, I think there's other tricks that other shows have done where like, yeah, there's all this new firepower and allies and then all the firepower and allies distract like the enemy's army and it comes down to like the final episode battle of like the original thing and the villain. Right. I know that's a poorly articulated image, but <laughs> it's been done. It's a trick that other shows have pulled and I'm not I'm not sick of it. I don't mind it. I also personally I also did mind what happened in they got their power up and their upgrade and they level up their characters to 99 and did the World of Warcraft secret quest. I don't know. That's fine, too. That's fine. So the thing that I definitely want to ask for expectation. Because I've had like conversations on both sides of this. Um, hmm. The final image of the show. Yes. I you remember what it is. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember what it is. So the final image, they do all the epilogues. It's like a time jump and it's like the text on the screen, like 80s rom-com style, like Hunk did this and Pitch did this and Lance does this. And the final image. Oh, sorry. You have a thing. Oh, no, I was saying with the music to match. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the final image is. Shiro getting married to the man of his dreams and giving up the fight. And then the show ends. And I have feelings. And other people sure. have different feelings. <laughs> Do we want to start with other people's feelings? Yeah, we can start with people's feelings. So I've, I've, yeah, had, I've had conversations um, with other queer people who like representation and really appreciate that it happened. And it's a really good, touchy-feely, warm moment. Mm -hmm. And all these things I can agree with. But then playwright Mackenzie Brain comes out and says, well, why is this the last thing? Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like 
Shiro was main character enough, especially for like being dead a clone for three seasons to merit the final spot. I didn't feel like the theme of him wanting to find love or leave the battle was there enough for that to be the final image. Uh, I don't know. If, he was very quick to get back into the battle. Yeah. Every single time. Every like, time. Every time it was about the battle. And I have. And I. Go ahead. <laughs> we both said, and I've. <laughs> and I know there's the episode with Alan where they're living together, I guess, in season seven. Yeah, there's a whole like beer baiting, like marketing playing up, like Shira's gay now. And then they don't say it in the show. He just has a roommate named Adam that he has lots of emotions Adam. for. Adam. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. I, I couldn't remember if it was Alan or Adam. I guess that's, again, that's some gay name. It's fine. That's <laughs> I can say that. Right, I can't. Um, at least I know my place. So he, um, but I, I think there was that moment of you're always going off to war. You're always going off to the next battle. And like, is that really like Shiro's problem? Because the last time we, the first time we saw him, he's on an exploratory mission. It's not about a battle. He's not battling. He's exploring the moon of Pluto. Yes, it's with this military thing, but he's not battling anybody. So where does that, how does that start of him being part of this exploratory mission end up with him? Oh, he finally leaves the battle behind. I mean, I get that he leaves the battle behind in contrast with, like, the fight with Adam a season before in the flashback. But yeah, in the whole run of the show, I agree. Like, this this plot seems out of nowhere. And I have no problem with a main character in an epilogue marrying off to some rando. I think it's less likely they're going to, like, decide, oh, you know, I should spend my life with these people. I had this really emotional roller coaster journey with and, like, risk my life with. Like, No! <laughs> You don't have to fall in love with the person you do everything with. Right. That sounds really you don't. bad. <laughs> you will I, do I, everything with them. I get your meaning yeah. in terms of the people that you have the most intense work relationships with are not necessarily the people that you end up marrying. Yeah, there's a reason we all have work spouses. And then when you change jobs, they change jobs. You never talk again. Yeah, because they were your work spouse. Yeah. You work well together. Did you hang out? Maybe you went to happy hour sometimes, but that was after work. Right. So him marrying some rando, totally okay with it. I'm not yes, team that... Clance or whatever all this stuff was. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No. And I feel like... I have no problem if that's where Shira's story ended. Mm-hmm. It's where the I show ended. Where, right. I, it's, it's where Voltron's story ended. And I feel like... I, I, I enjoyed seeing them getting older and moving on and seeing their growth and their moving into new roles for the betterment of themselves and anyone who they might be connected with. So Lance continuing to talk about Allura and spreading that, um, what would I say, that legend, 
essentially, sharing her legend with other people and her philosophy. I imagine him almost starting a religion in a way, you know, in terms of that. And that feels like that should have been the last image. And sharing her legend, Voltron, the legendary defender. It was a story all along with these school children. That's, that's the final image for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that should have been where the story ended. Yeah. Did you? Here's the question. Did we need the epilogue? No, but, you know, I like the epilogue. Who doesn't like the epilogue? I feel like in a series finale, there are a couple of ways you can go. And I feel like um, you either finish the immediate story and you don't give any view of what comes next. So that's the, sorry to ruin it for everybody, that's the Breaking Bad way of doing it. You just finish the story that you're currently telling, and once the story that you're currently telling is just done, you're done. Yeah, and that's okay. We're done. The epilogue is um, nice, but not necessary. The other, the other way is you go forward in time, and I think the most extreme way, and this isn't animated either, and sorry folks, but um, the other way is the six feet under way, which is you show an epilogue and you go in the future and show how every single character the, in the show dies. <laughs> you see all the main characters' deaths. So in some cases you go five years in the future, in some cases you go 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future, 50 years in the future, just to catch all of them dying. Or a less depressing, who will be like the final season of Parks and Rec when there's a time jump. Right. <laughs> but, but there's that moment of, we need, in order to complete the story, we need to show you what happens further on. And I don't feel like we needed to jump as far as we did to get the story, to end the story. Mm -hmm. I feel like ending one year later with them celebrating, and then they take the selfie, and then you see a new selfie where they're all grown. I feel like that could have been enough. Yeah. I was like, oh, what a beautiful ending image. And then it started doing the epilogue. And it's like, oh, oh, I have to, I had to rewind because I wasn't ready to start reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, what happened? I'm, I'm reading now. I thought there are multiple good ending points. And that's why I think the people behind the show are so brilliant. Like they had so many good, satisfying moments that it could have ended on. And they all would be great. Um, where I'm sometimes frustrated with the people behind this is they ended it on like the sheer wedding thing. Yeah. Again, not that I mind Shiro getting married. Correct. Agreed. And I don't mind that ending of that story. I just mind that it was the final thing. And like I said, it's you meet Shiro first, but Shiro is an inciting incident. I don't think he's a main character. Yeah. You know, he's a MacGuffin. I'm sorry, but Shiro is a MacGuffin. He's the thing that they need to find and break out, but he's not the main character. He's a tasty, gluten-free MacGuffin, but he's a MacGuffin nonetheless. Yeah. So... Sorry, Shiro. Sorry, Shiro. I, I did appreciate you. Eventually. Eventually. Got interesting. Right. Somewhere around season four. 
when he was a clone. I want the yeah, clone back. Clone. <laughs> We're making no friends on this episode, I, I feel. I mean, again, not that I didn't this I'm saying this with an extreme love of this show. Mm-hmm. Ready to watch it a second time. Like ready to start over. Um I talked to my wife who has been what seen maybe six episodes of Voltron as I've been watching. Um, definitely didn't watch any of the last season, but she, she watched the final episode and she was in near tears. So as somebody who slightly watched it, she's like, it's so good. I said, okay, how do you feel about, how do you feel about that ending? So somebody who hasn't been thinking dramaturgically for, Two and a half years yeah. of, of what's coming and how it seasons, ends. Chris. I, I'm sorry, for eight whole seasons. Um, so I, I asked, and she said, it's, it was great to see them grow and change and how they each um, live the ideals of Earth now and like the ideals that we need now so the fact that they were just living life and you have this gay character who gets married and that's just fine like that's empowering to say look these are the ways that we're going to save the universe by having love and acceptance and eating food and you know training new people and sharing the story of hope and this is and being humanitarians as opposed to warring so it's like look these people are trying a new different way Mm -hmm. i'm not above a ham-fisted approach and i would have appreciated more (sighs) ham-fisting i have problems with that statement (laughs) but i feel like it's just ignoring the phrasing (laughs) (laughs) okay anywho i think the other thing i want to talk about is um well i um as mackenzie Worrell, the civilian not the podcaster um don't really engage with fandoms and like the fandom meta game of whatever popular thing is in right now but the facts of the matter are this is 2019 and we live in a world where Star Wars and Rick and Morty and these different fan bases um, that have many sides to them, to borrow a phrase, mm-hmm. um, have ruined things for the creators and ruined their lives and also done very good things and done amazing, wonderful, celebratory things about fandom. Um, I was doing some reading on like the Voltron fandom reaction to this. And I don't know if you've looked into it at all. I have not. And I saw this um, note from you about fandoms reactions to things. And I was just intrigued. So tell me a little bit more about this. I don't know a ton about it, but it feels like a a portion of the fandom for Voltron uh, latched on early on the show's run, which partly gave it its momentum, which is good. And they socialized things. But uh, I think the internet and social media did what it did and became an echo chamber. And some people got really obsessed with their... Did we decide on headcanon or fanon being our word here? 
We we decided the one word we use is fanon. Okay. I know head cannon is what people say, but fanon is I feel a little bit more accurate. Yeah, head cannon just feels like a move that Voltron could pull with one of the lions. Like Hunk, head right. cannon. Okay, so anyway, right. the fanon. Uh, because that puts the fan into it. Like, yeah. it's, it's fans who have their own cannons. Yeah. Like, I could have my personal head cannon about anything, you know, but having, a f- like, a fanon, that just makes it sound... Because it's fanatic. It's a fanatic cannon. Mm-hmm. I agree. Which, so, anyway. Tweet at the Star Wars people, like, I have a new word for you. It's fanon. You are the people. <laughs> um, so I guess people latched onto their fanon in went to many lengths to try and make it happen. I didn't read the full article, but I saw something like someone tried to like blackmail the studio to make their fanon part of it. What? There's craziness. It's crazy. I don't know. So I, I understand why they may have put the Shiro image last, knowing that in 2019, fandom expectations of a show can get so ballooned and out of control that whether or not you're actually responding to and doing what the fans want you are in some way or another responding to the fandom when you make a show Hmm. I don't know I don't have any more articulate thoughts around that it's just something I've been thinking about hmm So the other thing we want to talk about today is more more writing oriented. Yeah. Let's talk about stakes. Yes. It's one thing for a show to end and say like we're going to save the world and the world is at stake or the country's at stake or even in a big space opera the universe is at stake. But when do stakes get too big to resolve in a satisfying way? Is it this villain's going to end not just all realities, but the concept of time and space? (laughs) (laughs) Existence. I will destroy existence itself. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I, I understand that when you are in these giant machines... It's hard for stakes to be made for, oh no, which giant robot is going to win, you know, and they they have to move the fight away from cities and stuff and move into this place where they can't hurt anybody except for everybody, (laughs) like everybody and every reality ever. And I felt devastated the first time she cut one. And we lost one. I was like, oh, God, like that's setting up some really intense stakes right now. Like they have to stop her. And then suddenly she just started blasting other ones. It all existence is gone. And instead of feeling devastated, I felt like. This is ridiculous. (laughs) I, I felt I felt like it was just completely. Ludicrous. And in just it was just so much that we were expecting to buy and feel like we were getting images of all these 
aliens and things who are supposedly going out of existence from these different realities. And ones that we had never really even met. We just are supposed to feel that, see, these are realities that, and the whole concept of moving to the other realities was barely hinted at before. And now suddenly, look, we're able to travel to these different realities and we're also going to kill all of them. Yeah. It felt like the show was building towards some kind of reality thing at the end. I'm okay right. with that, but it felt like <laughs> destroying all of existence were stakes that were way too big too quickly. Right. And for me, it feels like it's really hard to solve that satisfactory way when you have like half an episode left. I feel like the resolution ultimately boils down to Hanerva saying, your words mean nothing to me. Then they say like another sentence. She goes, oh, you're right. How do I write this? Well, they, <laughs> you're, you're very, you're very right in that. Do you think your words mean anything to me? Oh, how about I put some memories back into your head and you can see my memories and through this mind meld, We'll have an understanding of each other, and now you'll want to put things back right. You're right, I do. You're right, I do want to go back. You've changed my face markings back to Altaian markings, and now I'm ready to change and bring back all the things that just died six minutes ago. I'm ready to right my wrongs of murdering quadrillions yeah. of people across all reality <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all back and then it's all back yeah and i don't get that part either i thought there was something um poetic about having one universe left one reality left mm -hmm. and that's what they were fighting to save and when you think of the original title of the 80s series which is you know voltron defender of the universe. The universe. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, okay. I see what they're doing. No, I don't see what they're doing. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I don't see what they're doing. I lost it. It's like Defender of the Universe. I was like, oh, there, there's only one left and they have to defend it. And they will, it doesn't matter if it's their original universe or who's there. They know that they have to stop her and beat her and save and restore keep this one universe. Yeah. I just feel like having everything restored meant that everything that they had done previously would just didn't matter anymore. Yeah. That's it. When your stakes are too big and your resolution too small, it feels like it didn't matter when objectively it does matter. They restored all of existence. It mattered. Right. It just feels like it didn't matter. And they had to give up Allura, which hurt to know that she was gone and not coming back. That's a big loss, and it affects it, the rest of the show. All ten minutes. It took a, it took a long time for me to be like, oh, I guess she's gone. <laughs> she's, she's not coming back. That's, and that was given the weight and gravity and some long goodbyes and some good editing that I thought really made that sink in. And you feel it, right? That's a good loss. Yes, but is that big enough to restore all of existence? No, I don't think it is. I think it would be if she was able to give up to 
I, I don't know what it would be, but it that was just too much and too big to restore, and it was executed too quickly to to make it have the weight that it needed to restore all universes. I feel like I thought that they would stay in the universe that she was in. If she would, if she had said, "I'm going to destroy this universe," or she goes back to the original universe and just tries to say, "Fine, you can't have you. If you won't let me have this, you can't have that," and try to destroy that and then restore it through Allura, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But one life for one universe, okay. One life for all universes, mm-mm. They, they all would have had to sacrifice, I feel like. And even then, that's still a bit much. Like, the epilogue is, they all, they're still dead. They're all still dead. They all don't exist anymore. But they saved the entire universe. In the future, it is dead. In the future, Hunk is also dead. Shiro is gay and dead. <laughs> Not for the show, just, but that's like an excellent like. Oh man, I would love for like Rick and Morty to do something like that when they eventually end. <laughs> it's gay and dead. Uh, anyway, in conclusion, Voltron Legendary <laughs> Defender, totally worth your time as a series. Amazingly done. Lots of cool character moments. Lots of original thoughts and science and fantasy and all that stuff. Um, but perhaps a complicated. Um, an ambitious attempt to wrap everything up in a satisfying way. Right. I respect them for it. Yeah. Um, and if you want to stop watching after the selfies and be like, oh, cool, I would recommend doing that. If after listening to all of our spoilers and knowing the ending, you decide you don't <laughs> want right. to know the ending. Just you can stop yeah, five ahead. seconds before the series ends. <laughs> Just just close your eyes and listen to the music and imagine the end credits are rolling. That's all I'm saying. And I could be, I'm, I'm willing to say this. I could be wrong about this. This is just our opinion of looking at it, you know, through literary analysis and script analysis of what the creators gave us from the beginning throughout the show. That's all. Mm -hmm. it, we could be wrong. It's one interpretation of it. We didn't make well, the too. art. We appreciate that the art exists and is in the world. It was restored I, by Allura. And I am really looking forward. Excuse me. Oh, I'm not getting choked up. I'm choking uh, <laughs> on, on, on what? I'm not sure. But um, I am really looking forward to going back through and watching it again. Because there are so many great episodes in this series and i look forward to revisiting them i mean the mall episode alone Ugh. is worth watching magical all through the the mall episode that game show episode um i'm trying to think of some other i think those two are like my favorite for different reasons but the same reason it's the ninth Every, every time they go through a season, you have some devastating thing happen around episode eight, and then episode nine turns out to be, like, weirdly done. Yeah. Like, a, it's a little bit more comedic, the format's a little strange, or it's just 
bonkers off the wall. It's a formula that works. It's like stand-up comedy. You gotta have the second best person open the show and the best person close the show. And it kind of arranged the people in the middle, like, in a way that they don't get heckled. Well, what I like about it is generally, and this, I mean, this holds true for seven and eight, you end up on episode nine, which is different in tone and structure. And then you go the last four episodes completing the story arc. All is one big long story. They're like, well, we'll give you something here because the rest is just finishing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) finishing the story. So it's just nice to have that little break in there structure wise. Totally. But this is a very worthwhile series. And no matter how you feel about the final episode, it's it's a strong series that grows and gets more interesting as its mythology goes along. Oh, I just thought of another one, the one where they don't have any power in the lines or they're stuck in space. Yes. Oh, that was such a beautiful episode. They're just in a ring together, locked arms and just slowly dying. Oh, such a good episode. Check in. Oh, nice. Anyway, Chris, do you have a favorite thing about the final episode of Voltron? I think it's just this. I feel it's like a cop out, but I do love. I love the selfie change. Mm-hmm. You know, I love seeing them as they are and then seeing them a lot older and them growing up because Pidge, you know, is a teenager and then seeing Pidge grow to be a, a scientist and actually do a little bit more. Um, I, I like seeing that the possibility that that shows just in a quick change and in, in, um, in a selfie picture. But I think the dinner that they're having one year later celebrating Allura and it's just friends sitting around eating and in, next to the statue. Yeah, it felt very now, casually scripted, which is great. Yeah, I, I think one little thing that maybe they could have done. And I know I liked it being a little intimate, but. There's there's an opportunity where you could introduce other characters and not necessarily need the epilogue, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in that scene. So Shira's love interest or, you know, you reveal that Shiro has a, an engagement ring or something, whatever. But just something that, that puts those wheels in motion and you start to see like, oh, we see where they're headed. Mm-hmm. Like you get that with Keith, you get that with Lance. You get that with Hunk. You get that with Pidge. And Shiro doesn't really have anything that he's moving towards. It's not until that. And I think that's the difference between the epilogue for Shiro and everyone else is their movement is hinted in that final scene. Mm-hmm. And Shiro's isn't. Yeah. If he was at the dinner table, said like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm getting too old for this. Right. I need to, you know, I want to settle down. You know, I really want to want to meet somebody. It's, it's hard to meet somebody. And I think I'm done. I think I'm retiring. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to leave this behind or whatever. It's to meet a man, just, raise couch neckers. <laughs> just something, yeah. you know, just spend a couple of doboshes there with 
telling us about Shiro. But what was your favorite thing, Mackenzie? I sorry, I got a little off track there. Oh, you're fine. Um, I really also enjoyed Hunk's epilogue because uh, again, I like epilogues mm. in general, as a general sense. Um, diplomacy through food, yes, pro that. Yeah, uh, the food looks so good. I thought it was a well thought out thing of like there's an argument between aliens and a three planet system, and we're gonna make this delicious dish, which they built to for Hunk and his talent, and it's made with ingredients from all three. It makes his food story important beyond just feeding the people. Right. Nice. Note. Which is important, yeah. but it's, it's like, look, dinner is what brings everyone together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, if, if Lance is the heart, hunk is the soul in terms of, you know, it's about, it's basically being a human, you know, or being alive, eat, eat together, bring people together. That's what Voltron's about. So Hunk is Different the soul. things coming together. Lance is the heart, you said? I think so. Pitch would be the brain. Shiro's the body, yaddy, yaddy. Um <laughs> Which would make Keith... The sword? I don't know. That's a body part, right? Yeah, yeah. The spark, the fire, the... Uh... <laughs> The drive, yeah. the motivation. There we go. Yeah. The dr- Some might say would- Keith is the soul of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Allura is much like the soul <laughs> of Ultron. <laughs> it doesn't quite work itself out. <laughs> In another reality, it would. In another reality, it would. <laughs> All right. That one was probably destroyed. <laughs> anyway, um, should we talk about homework time in our reality? Yes, let's. your homework because we know you've already watched it at least once re-watch the first two episodes of the netflix series hilda and if you're an overachiever uh go to your library go to your local comic shop look for the graphic novel the midnight giant which the first two episodes are based on and read that also and we're going to be talking about adapting one form into another form and um what they got right which is basically spoilers most of it oh my gosh it's so good (laughs) as always thank you to our engineer nigel catino and to jacob reed for our theme music you can find us on the web follow us on twitter and we we try to share a lot of news there we have our um what are they called? Show notes. You can catch them there or on our Facebook. If you like our page, WG animated on Twitter, facebook.com slash WG animated. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or wherever and whatever podcast in reality you listen to us. Mm, nice touch. Well done. Thank you. I try. And it was i'm workshopping it we'll get there okay in another reality it's already workshopped ah oh, sweet so i'm gonna get out of chores around the house now i did in that another reality, in another reality it's already done in another reality we don't even need clothes so <laughs> party folded <laughs> with that good night everybody